Our text this morning is from Isaiah 40, 1 through 11, so turn there if you have your Bibles, and then Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, two texts of comfort and joy for the people of God. Kids, what makes you feel better when you're sick? Like, you know, like when you're really, really sick. Do you you ever get really, really sick, Nariah? Yeah, me too. What makes you feel better? Like when you have a fever. I know some of you had colds and flus earlier this fall and had fevers and had to stay home. And don't you feel so weak? Can't even move. And the fever's making you dizzy. And your stomach's sick. What makes you feel better? Well, doesn't it feel wonderful when your mom brings you some Tylenol cold and flu medicine and, and, and a cool glass of water? sits on the bed next to you and, and tenderly puts a washcloth on your forehead and, and, and with maybe runs her fingers through your hair with some of that cool water. Doesn't that make you feel so much better, comforted? And, and maybe she prays with you to help you feel better. It, it's soothing. It's comforting. She lets you know that she's there for you, to care for you, and you're going to feel better. She doesn't wave a magic wand and, and, and make you think it's all going away right now. But in that moment, the comfort she brings, the tenderness, the, the comfort brings almost a sense of joy. Uh, I am going to get better. But part of the reason that it feels so nice and comforting is because you know how sick you are. You're miserable. And, and you're really sick. And you can't make yourself feel better. Well, these verses that we're looking at this morning, kids, uh, came at a time when God's people were really, really sick. Sin sick. Heart sick. And yes, it was their own sin that got them that way. They were about to feel the full weight of their sin sickness and be punished by God. They, were, they had sank so far that they were about to be driven from the land that God had promised them. They were going to be dragged off and become prisoners of a very bad, evil king and his army. But to the faithful among God's people, to those who still honored God and His Word, God spoke words of great comfort in these verses. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, even though things were going to get a whole lot worse before they got better, God comforted them, his people, with words of hope. He was going to come and heal them himself by dealing with their sin sickness himself. True healing could only come from him. And because some of the people knew just how sick they were, these words felt like cool water on their foreheads. The good news, listen listen to this, I want you to get this, kids. The good news about Jesus is only good news to us when we realize how sick from sin we are and how much we desperately need Him. Part of what makes Christmas so special and (coughs) exciting and joyful is when we realize how desperately we needed Jesus to be born. How desperately sin-sick We are, and and how only through the coming of Jesus could we be made well. You want Christmas to be really awesome this year? Then tell Jesus how much you need Him and needed Him. 
Tell him how much you want him to come and heal you from your sin sickness, to heal your heart. That makes worship this time of year when we look forward to celebrating the birth of Jesus so joyful and so meaningful. Without Christmas, without Jesus being born, he couldn't have died for our sins. So let's be filled with real joy over the next few weeks and be comforted by the fact that he was born to save us from our own sin-sick hearts. This morning we're looking at two songs of prophecy. One song from Isaiah in Isaiah 40 and one song from Habakkuk in Habakkuk 3. These are songs of comfort for God's people. So pay attention, listen up as I read God's word and as I explain it. And see if you don't see how really awesome and comforting our celebration of the birth of Jesus is. Isaiah 40, 1 through 11. This is God's word. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the word fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. To the weak and needy, he saves the lives of the needy. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. The word euangelion gospel here lift up your voice with strength O Jerusalem herald of good news lift it up fear not say to the cities of Judah behold your God behold the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him behold his reward is with him and his recompense before him he will tend his flock like a shepherd he will gather the lambs in his arms he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And then from Habakkuk. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flocks be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in Yahweh. I will take joy in the Yeshua. Yeshuati, the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Father, come this morning and make our feet dance on the hills like the deer. Father, may the good news of the gospel, may the comfort that we receive from knowing who Jesus was and why he was born, may that fill our lives and cause us to celebrate. Father, get me out of the way and help folks to see Jesus. Father, cleanse my lips.
that my mouth might declare your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So many of the songs and hymns that we sing at Christmas time have themes of peace and, and comfort and joy. Joy to the world. How great our joy. O come, O come, Emmanuel, with its refrain. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. So many of the songs we sing, just look at the titles in your hymnal, have to deal with comfort and joy. We sing about the joy and the comfort that comes at Christmas time, but I think sometimes we take it for granted. We sing about comfort and joy, but the words have lost their meaning. And the proof of that is, we don't seem to feel any more comforted or joyful at Christmas time. What brings us the most joy seems to be the presents and the cookies and the pies and even family being together, the warm fuzzies, but not the joy of our salvation, which is the real joy of Christmas. Did you catch that line that we, we sang from God Rest You Merry Gentlemen? The, 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 remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day, in the, the, the first stanza, to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy. The reason it's such, the words are so comforting and, and joyful is because he came to save us all from Satan's power. He came to see, heal our sin-sick hearts and world from the control of that number one enemy of God and his image bearers. I think we take for granted the comfort and joy that Christmas should bring because we're already too comfortable. Yep. I think most of the time we think, ooh, we're doing pretty well. We weren't really all that sick. Our sin wasn't really all that bad. We could and, and, and can get better on our own. We don't realize how desperately we needed a Savior. We don't realize how deadly the disease is that we're recovering from, sin. Like a hidden cancer, just waiting to metastasize through our bodies and kill us. In order to take comfort and joy from being healed, can you still hear me okay out there? In order to take comfort and joy from being healed, we have to know and dread and grieve the very real devastating effects of our own sin in our lives and on, on our world. We must realize that in reality we were dead and dying without Jesus coming into the world. To fully appreciate, take comfort in the good news of the birth of Jesus and the healing that the gospel brings, we must fully appreciate, that word's not a good one, we must actually dread and mourn the, the bad news the consequences of our sin on our lives and God's good creation. You see, these words we just read from Isaiah, comfort, comfort my people, says your God, open the second half of the book named after him. The, the second half of his prophetic vision. The whole first half of the book, chapters 1 through 39, this is chapter 40, comfort, comfort. The whole first part of the book was primarily judgment. And warnings about the severity of the sin, their sin. The same is true of Habakkuk. The other text that we read this morning. In his first two chapters, before chapter 3, which we read from, it's all about sin and judgment. The fact of the matter is, at this point in history, God's people were really sick. Sick. Sick in heart. Sin sick. But most, 
did not even realize it. They had rebelled so much against God and forsaken His Word, His law, so much that they had become blind to how bad off they really were. They created and, and worshipped the idols of the nations around them. They engaged in the sexually perverse worship of the fertility cults. They oppressed the poor and the needy in their midst, turning a blind eye to the widows and orphans of their own people. Anything to make a buck and continue in the false prosperity of material riches. They sought alliances with pagan nations around them to help prop them up in their political power. The memory of God's rescuing them from slavery in Egypt and covenanting with them to be his, their God and they his people had faded into the distant past. In fact, it says that they had become worse than the sinners around them. Both Isaiah and Ezekiel compares, compare them to animals. God's people. Both Ezekiel and Isaiah compare them to Sodom and Gomorrah. This is how Isaiah started his prophecy. Hear, O heavens, and give, earth, uh, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey his master's crib, but Israel... Does my people does not understand. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. And who's he talking to? The children of Israel. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my court? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you, even though you make many prayers. I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. And bring justice to the, widow, to the widow's cause. Isaiah spends 39 chapters with words like that. Pointing out to the people, they're in bad shape. And soon it's going to get worse. Ezekiel does the exact same thing to God's people. Not only did you walk in their, Sodom and Gomorrah's ways, and do according to their abominations, within a very little time, you were more corrupt than they in all your ways. As I live, declare the Lord, your sister Sodom and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Wow. That's bad. God calling his people worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. If you noticed in that Isaiah passage that we just read there from chapter 1, the people of Israel and Judah were quite comfortable in, in the externals of their religion. They were quite comfortable with the religious practices that they thought could save them. And, and Isaiah points out, that's just as bad as worshiping idols. 
we can't even read this whole passage from Ezekiel. We can't read it because it's, it's, it's too graphic to read in polite mixed companies with younger ears. Basically, in, in the Ezekiel 16, God compares his people to off, it, its perverse whoredom. God compares his people to prostitution for free. That's sin sick. They literally and figuratively were adulterers, unfaithful to God, the husband of their youth. The immediate context of those words of comfort, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, says your God. The immediate context is God telling Isaiah how bad it's going to get because of their sin. He told him, Behold, the days are coming with all that is in your house and that, with that which your fathers have stored up till this time shall be carried to Babylon. The fig tree shall not blossom. There will be no... When you get your punishment from the Lord, there will be no sheep in the fold. There will be no grapes on the vine. Everything's going to be destroyed. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and some of your own sons who, who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And, and good king Hezekiah, he was one of the only good kings on the list of the kings of Israel and Judah. Good king Hezekiah was relieved that it wasn't going to happen in his day. That's the verse immediately following these words of comfort. God's telling him, the land is going to be destroyed, the people are going to be decimated, the, won't bear any more fruit. And Hezekiah says, well, at least it's not going to happen in my day. <laughs> what kind of an attitude is that? An attitude of one who is very comfortable in his own sin and the sin of his people around him. Isaiah's words of comfort and joy right here, introducing the second part of his book, were not meant for Hezekiah and the rebellious about-to-be-destroyed people of Israel around him. Isaiah's words <coughs> excuse me, of comfort were meant for the few faithful who still looked to the promises of God. For the few faithful who still looked for God to have mercy on them and redeem them by himself by the faithfulness and grace by which he called them to himself and rescued them from their enslavement. By the faithfulness and grace he promised to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These words of comfort were were given to people who still were waiting for God to provide the lamb. These words of comfort were not for the rebellious who didn't even recognize the desperate condition of their own sin. They were for the faithful among God's people who recognized their sin and cried out for mercy, who still looked for the promise of God providing the lamb. These words of comfort from Isaiah were for those who were looking for Yahweh to ultimately take matters into his own hands, to solve their sin-sick hearts, to comfort them by himself coming into the world and providing the only real sacrifice that could save them. Far from our faith being a pathway for us to God, our faith is God making his highway to us. Every valley shall be exalted and every hill brought low and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. God is making his pathway to us and that highway made through the leveled mountains and raised plains led through the womb 
of a young virgin girl from Nazareth. The good news of the comfort and joy of the gospel, which Isaiah talks about here, is only good news for those who know how desperately they are in need of forgiveness and how, how much the, the disease of sin has devastated them. Is that you? Is that me? We can only receive comfort and joy from the Lord this time of year at Christmas if we know we need it. Do we take our own sin seriously? Or are we too busy pointing at the sin out there? Folks, let God worry about the sin out there in our modern society. We've got enough sin of our own to worry about and take to the cross. We don't need to be repenting of their sins. We need to be repenting of our own idolatry. Most of the time we forget God's even there. We create gods in our own image. Most of the time, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't even give God the time of day, let alone an hour and ten minutes on Sunday morning. We, God's people, need to repent of our materialism and our pursuit of pleasure, of our own pride, of our own discrimination and racism, of our own lust and sexual obsession, of our own lack of love, of our own apathy towards the things of God. We forget the depth of our own sin that Jesus came to save us from. But Isaiah is also telling us that God's way of doing things is most often the opposite of what you would expect. The whole business of every valley being raised up and every mountain and everything's turned upside down. God's way of doing things is upside down and backwards from our way of thinking. God's way of salvation is not save yourselves, but turn to me and let me save you. The good news that was to be heralded from those mountains in Jerusalem, that was to be screamed from the high mountains, the good news was, behold, your God. But he's not going to look like what you expect. His way of solving the sin problem of his people seemed backwards. The glory of God would be revealed, but when it was, it wasn't very glorious. <laughs> in, a, in a barn in Bethlehem, laying in a manger. God works upside down. The glory of the Lord was going to be revealed. Take comfort, people of God. It's coming. He's making a highway to you. But it comes from the upside down nature. Surely, He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. That seems upside down and backwards to the way we would think God would come to comfort His people. The punishment that brings us peace, the punishment that brings us comfort, the punishment that brings us joy before God laid upon him upside down and backwards from what we would think but in, in one of the most ironic lines of all of history when Pilate looked down on this one this he him here in this passage when Pilate looked down on him this, this man who was about to be tortured and pierced and crucified for his, the sins of his people Pilate, Pilate ironically preached Isaiah's gospel 
to the people that were standing there watching. He said, behold your king. <laughs> Remember, Isaiah's gospel was, what was it supposed to be heralded? Behold your God. Pilate says, behold your king. And they still didn't get it. Indeed, he was their God. He was their king. The God-man who would comfort their sin-sick hearts by saving them, by being the price for their sins. This was a king who was a shepherd. This was a king who would tend his flock like a shepherd and gather his lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. So the comfort and joy that we receive this time of year is because of our awareness of how bad we needed him to come and be born. But the comfort and joy that we celebrate this time of, of, of season is also because God's way is upside down. It's different than we would think. In fact, we don't fight at all. And this king doesn't come with the mighty armor. It, 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 Isaiah himself makes it clear. Thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and trust, you sh shall be your strength. Our comfort and joy because of the forgiveness of our sins is not self-care. Our comfort and joy because of the awareness that can come to us because of the awareness of what Jesus has done for us, that's not self-comfort. It's not, it's not self-care. It's the kindness of God that works repentance and faith in us as we learned from our Romans series. Or do we presume upon the... Part of the reason I feel like we don't celebrate the comfort and joy that we have is because we presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. God's comfort and joy comes to those who are aware of their need. God's comfort and joy comes to those who are willing to let God's upside-down way of doing things save them. Finally, there can be no question that these prophecies that we read this morning are about Jesus. There can be no question. John the Baptist quoted the Isaiah passage. When they asked him who he was, John the Baptist says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. He claimed that he was the one who was sent to prepare the Lord's way before him. And Jesus said, they, they began to speak to Jesus about uh, John. And they said, what, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it was written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. Jesus says about John that he... John was the messenger sent to prepare his way before him. And remember in Isaiah it said the way of Yahweh. This is a real good argument against Jehovah's Witnesses when they come to your door. They say Jesus never claimed to be one with Yahweh. Of course, we have all the verses where he explicitly did. But in the Old Testament, it says, Come for my people, prepare in the desert a highway for 
And Jesus claimed that John was the one sent before him to prepare his way. And then, of course, Mary, in her beautiful song, after Elizabeth confirmed to her who her child was, she basically quotes from the Habakkuk chapter that we read. Mary was one who recognized her need and rejoiced in God her Savior. Remember? Almost a direct quote from that Habakkuk passage that we read. So there can be no doubt that these prophecies, these songs of prophecy about comfort and joy for God's people are fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus. So what? So what? True comfort and true joy only come from those who recognize their own desperate needs. Otherwise, if you're, if you're too comfortable, you don't really need Jesus. But when we are aware of the depth of our sin, when we are aware of the depth of, of <coughs> the sin sickness of our heart, then these words of comfort for us become like a cool washcloth on our heads, tenderly administering not just by the hand of our mother, but by the hand of God. You are my people. Be comforted. And for us, Jesus has come. So you want to get the most out of this time of Christmas? The world out there, they can sing these songs. They can sing songs about comfort and joy and rejoicing. But they can't know the comfort and joy that we know. They can't know the comfort and joy that we know because they don't think they need comfort and joy. And sometimes even we don't recognize or remember our own need for it. They feel pretty good out there in their own delusions of comfort and joy, health, wealth, self-satisfaction. What about you? Do you need comfort and joy this morning from the Lord? The comfort of sins forgiven and the joy of God, our Savior. Let's not take these words for granted anymore. Comfort and joy. We'll probably sing joy to the world a couple more times. And we might even sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Rejoice, rejoice. O Israel, Emmanuel has come to you. Let's not take him for granted anymore. Remember what a Savior he was who was born to us. And that only comes from us recognizing and repenting of our own sin. And then let's go out and sing those songs to the world so that they can know the Jesus that brings us tidings of comfort and joy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you gave Isaiah and Habakkuk insight into your word 700 years before you were even born, Jesus. And thank you that, that we have the hindsight of seeing that those prophecies were fulfilled. And that just gives us surety. That just gives us even more cause for the hope in the Word of God. As, as Isaiah told us in, in that passage we read, all fleshes of grass and, and grass flower, uh, fades and flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. That Word that said, Comfort, comfort in my people stands forever because you sent Messiah to be pierced for our transgressions and, and punished for our iniquity. Father, I pray that the next few weeks as we anticipate celebrating Christmas morning,
would be ones of great joy. Joy unspeakable. All surpassing joy. Because we realize how desperate we were and how great the provision is that you made. In Jesus' name, amen.